You're listening to Vernacular Podcast. All right, welcome back to Vernacular Podcast. This is the final episode of our sixth season. We're really excited. And joining us for this episode is Margaret Perry. We've had Margaret on before. She's a contributor to this podcast, and she's currently the general manager of Kirasan Restaurant in D.C. If you want to check out that website, it's Kirasan. Margaret, tell me if I get this right. K-Y-I-R-I-S-A-N-D-C.com. That's correct. All right. Well, welcome back to the show, Margaret. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're excited to talk to you. We thought that it would be appropriate since it is the end of August when we're recording this and releasing this episode to talk about kind of late summer eats and foods, produce. So that's actually where we wanted to start is produce. What? Which? Yeah, go for it. I was going to say, I'm so excited about because late summer is my favorite because all of the greatest things in the world are available at the market and... It's so exciting. Yay, perfect. That's the way I feel too. I'm always I'm always excited about the kind of things that we get to eat at the end of summer. So Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. let's let's talk about produce. What what is in season right now? What should we be looking for at the store or at the at the farmers market? Right. So berries are gone, right? Um, though in Virginia, I don't and I think in much of the Midwest you'll get a fall harvest of raspberries. Um, a lot of raspberries, um, bear fruit once in the, uh, high summer and once, uh, in the late, in the mm, late summer or early fall. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't even know that. Yeah. I was so confused the first time I went to the, (laughs) (laughs) the, the market, there are a bunch of, like a lot of places will do berries and then they'll also do peaches. And so I came back for the end of the year's peaches and there were raspberries back. And I was like, what's happening here? So, yeah. Is there a late summer harvest of blueberries as well? Because we have this children's book called Blueberries for Sal. Which is the greatest. Yeah. They go blueberry picking and the bear is storing up food for the long winter. (laughs) Yeah, so he's storing yes. it up in the middle must of summer. Be, yeah, midsummer, midsummer pre-hibernation <laughs> mid- storage. Well, I don't know. It's up in Maine. I think their midsummer mm. is probably our August here. That's but good point. yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, right, berries are gone, but all of those classic, like um, all the stone fruits, are here, and um, you're getting into the really like rich um, yellow peaches, which we've had for about a month. Um, month and a half going, but then also my personal favorite, which are plums. Um, and depending on where you are, you'll have like here in Virginia, there are a lot of European style plums, which aren't super good for eating, but they're really great for baking and cooking and for jam because they're very, um, they're very acidic and they have a lot of tannins in the skin. So they make a really like rich, deep jam without much added to it, but just they're kind of pungent and astringent to bite into. Um, but those are hands down my favorites. And then obviously it's like prime time for vegetables. So you've still got beautiful corn and you've got, 
um, green beans and, um, you're starting to get some of those, like the really, um, beautiful, uh, squashes, like really, really good zucchinis and all of those other summer squashes. And you're not quite sick of them yet. And, um, eggplants are great. Um, we get a lot of eggplant here in the DC area. And then also the salad greens are, it's like the full heads of romaine and bib lettuce instead of the tiny baby stuff. And while, you know, mixed greens and baby greens, baby spinach is great. It's really fun to see the mature lettuce too, and get its full flavor. Get that iceberg lettuce for your wedge salad. <laughs> exactly. With your tomatoes and your bacon. By the way, it's National Bacon Day today. Today? Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. I did not commemorate so, that. I did not observe this properly. Neither did I. I know. It's, I was going to make BLTs this week, but I didn't even know, and I should have done it today. I think we need to do a delayed observation <laughs> yeah. of this, this feast. Well, National here bacon we go. We'll, when we actually... When we actually you know, release the, the, um, the show, we can call it national bacon day. All yeah, over perfect. Again. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really think this it's, it's sad for bacon cause it got totally overshadowed by eclipse day. Yeah, it's true. Right. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but eclipse day is once in a, um, once every 20 years or so and national bacon days every year. So, you know, it's okay. We'll right. be fine. Okay, we'll make, bacon won't we'll suffer too much. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say like 50% of those that you just mentioned, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know how I can eat those and <laughs> use them. And, you know, they won't go to waste. And they sound, you know, within my realm of expertise. But I would say the other 50%, I'm like, how am I going to use up all that fresh eggplant? And, right. you know, what what would you it's recommend? a lot of eggplant butter, <laughs> There's a lot, yes. So the other great, and it really genuinely the greatest fruit slash veg and the only time you should really be eating it is in August are tomatoes ah, and tomatoes yes. are the great, the great unifier, right? So they're amazing. Just, you know, the little cherry tomatoes, which now you can get heirloom cherry tomatoes and all these different varieties and they all taste different and they're amazing. You can just pop those in your mouth like grapes. We sampled some heirloom tomatoes at Trader Joe's the other day and they were very good. Yeah. We wanted oh, to buy so some. good. So much flavor. Explain again. So we asked the Trader Joe's lady, what does heirloom mean again when you're talking about heirloom it, tomatoes? Uh, heirloom means, so I'm not 100% sure, but I think it just means a very old seed. Okay. Um, like a, an old variety. Because, you know, back in the, this is really quick and probably wrong food history, but in the <laughs> 50s when we started to do a lot of the truck farming and the, the flash freezing and all that kind of stuff and start freezing veg and canning veg on a large scale. They also started and shipping it. They started breeding for the grocery shelf instead of for oh, okay. actual taste and flavor. And so that's when things like the red delicious apple came around because they look gross, you know, they, right. We, <laughs> they look they're beautiful, disgusting, but they look like what we think of is the classic the perfect apple, apple you know? right? But when you, um, breed like that, you also breed out all the flavor intricacies. And so, um, you know, they're more disease resistant and they produce a lot of crop, but it doesn't taste like much. Mm. And so, it, tomatoes are the same way. Like people became obsessed with tomatoes. And instead of having that bounty that you get in August where there's, you're just like, Oh my God, 
are we ever going to come to the end of these tomatoes? <laughs> and then doing something with it, like can making tomato sauce and canning it or, um, you know, turning it into a ketchup or whatever else. Instead of doing that, they started breeding them so that they could grow them in hothouses and year round. And then that just stops having real flavor. And so you, I mean, we all know you go to, you know, a fast food burger joint and you get your tiny little wedge of peachy, pale, pallid yes. tomato, you yes. know, disgusting. That clarifies also what a hothouse tomato is. Because I never knew what that meant either. I've never heard that term. So <laughs> I've seen it at the I'm store. even more behind the power curve. <laughs> so the but tomatoes are the great unifier also. Like they're amazing because you can just slice them and put them on a piece of bread with mayonnaise or bacon. Um, you can I made a salad today for our eclipse picnic of just literally it was just cherry tomatoes and salt and pepper and a little bit of lime juice and basil and and olive oil and that was it. Oh, that sounds and so like, good. like I mean it was it's so simple and I just had to cut cherry tomatoes in half and throw everything in a bowl, you know. Can we pause briefly though and talk about the eclipse? Were, Margaret, <laughs> sure. were you as underwhelmed as I was with the eclipse? <laughs> well, I was so we're in a partial eclipse location here in Austin, but I saw graphics of the partial eclipse and I was thinking, "Oh, the sun's going to be 50% eclipsed." Surely we'll have some some darker shade. darker environmentals yeah. here. Yeah, some shade. We'll have maybe it'll look like <laughs> yeah, but you're in it'll Texas. Look like I mean, dusk it's really is approaching. Hot there. <laughs> and yeah, there was no difference whatsoever. So was, you guys were at like fifty percent? Apparently. I think it was forty or fifty, okay. yeah. It was significant. Yeah. I, I yeah, some someone loaned me their glasses and I looked at it and was like, Oh yeah, the sun is partially eclipsed. That's cool. Except right. there's no difference whatsoever. <laughs> This is not affecting me in the least. Right. So we were at 82% here oh, in Virginia. It's pretty good. Which cool. sounds great, but actually wasn't. Oh, no. But it, it wasn't, it wasn't. So I would say, like, the percentages aren't what we think of as percentages. Like, 90% is not 10% less right. than 100%. Right. It's like 10,000% less. So we had... Like there were some atmospheric things that were really interesting, but we only started noticing it about 20 minutes before as close to totality as we got. Oh, okay. So, for example, the wind kicked up and it and we thought it was just maybe a breeze because there was a thunderstorm brewing south of us. But it kicked up about 20 minutes before we got to totality. And then it kicked up about 20 minutes after we got through totality. So huh. I feel like it was an actual atmospheric thing. Um, and then the other thing that was really cool, but it was very faint, but I had read about this is that there's certainly right. Like I don't really understand science at all, but their light rays have different, the wavelengths are different colors. Right? right. And so the first ones to go are the reds and oranges and yellows. And there was this weird, like on the horizon, so like I said, there was this thunderstorm south of us that was really dark on the sky. And first, that's what we thought was like what was making the light. But then I looked north of us and there were just these big white billowy clouds, but they weren't brilliant in color. You know, like when it, when you're on the edges of a thunderstorm and you see another range of clouds and they're this bright white and they just keep billowing up into the sky. And it it was like really low contrast. And we realized like there and there was this like pallid green hue to everything. And I think Weird. that that was because like those light rays are the ones that are 
blocked first and we were far enough we were close enough to totality to start seeing the effects of that um and it did the temperature dropped like 25 degrees wow actually okay i'm probably exaggerating it was probably (laughs) 10 but it was so hot out and it was so humid that it felt like 25 degrees yeah oh man yeah but here in austin it was just super sunny and super hot the entire time and i noticed no difference between totality and zero eclipse. It was very right. disappointing. Yeah. And that was the thing, like we, you know, looking, looking up at it with the glasses, you could see something, but you know, of course the modern world that we live in, we all stuck our phones up into the sky and <laughs> the picture is just a glowing orb. You would never know. Right. Yeah. I, I also did try to get a picture of myself when and just, it's just a ball of fire in the sky. There's nothing discernible about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. But there's another one coming and it's, if you guys are still in Austin, which you guys move around a lot, so maybe you won't be. But when's the next one? 2000, 2024. 24. And yeah. it starts oh, in Austin, in like in Texas. Yeah, it's so. going to be a total oh, wow. eclipse here. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And it's going to go up, up north and east. So it goes like above the Midwest again and then across like Ohio and Toronto is in totality and Lake Erie is in totality and then like up in the north part of Maine. So. You know, there's something, something to look forward to. We'll just become eclipse chasers and go (laughs) drive to the total. We'll be professional eclipse chasers. It's going to be be off the chain. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, sorry, I derailed us a lot. No, that's okay. It's such a cool thing, though. It is definitely. It's really awesome. So anyway, I'm going to throw another question for you. Yeah. Out there. Sure. Uh, Any favorite recipes for this time of year we've talked about ingredients and right saving so, vegetables um i my favorite thing to do is to not cook anything with tomatoes like i thought you were just gonna end that... with not cook anything and i was gonna say <laughs> oh mine too just, eat, just go to the market and just pick it up and I eat just it. like people serving me the I food mean, that they cook well there's that too there's that too right but like everything is so flavorful right now um that you can barely cook something like so i also made it today I did the tomato salad, but I also did a green bean salad and you throw them in boiling water for like a minute and it's all, it's, they're all tasting as good as a green bean possibly can right now. So that's all you need. And then I drained it and I chilled it with cold water. I rinsed it with cold water and tossed it with, um, Marcona almonds and ricotta salata, which is a, you know, ricotta from Italy. They, they press it. Um, and I think it takes three days. They press it to press out all the moisture and then they'll like salt it and then they flip it and then they press it again and salt it. And it takes three days. So it gets a super salty and dry. Um, and it has kind of the texture of styrofoam, but when you grate it into a salad, it doesn't get clumpy. It keeps its shape without, and just gives this like punch of bright salty cheesiness which is really fun that sounds really so i made a salad out of that and that's the trick like here in dc it's so swampy and muggy in texas it's so hot everything's gonna wilt if you cook it i guess and it'll wilt even more yeah and you don't like you don't want to spend any time over the stove up until this year i didn't even have a working air conditioner so all of my cooking was crazy how long can i have the stove off and still produce a meal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So it's like all of those fresh, fresh veg and salads and stuff like that, which are so great. And like zucchini, if you cut it and salt it to get all the moisture out of it, 
and like sit it in a colander with paper towels and that'll soap up, sop up all the moisture. It'll fry really quickly in the pan. So you don't have to s- spend 30 minutes over the pan for the zucchini to get a good consistency. Oh, yeah, it's that's a good tip. actually pretty quick. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's the trick for me. Um, just find, find different things and prepare them as simply as possible right now. If you're not in the swamp like I am, or I don't even know where Austin's like, I've never been there, but I assume it's just really it dry is and really hot. hot. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine like the hottest place you can imagine. And then imagine that being underwater. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, yeah, no, I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> um, but if you're in like, if you're in other parts of the West, um, in the Rockies, you're already getting cooler evenings. That's true. So you might want something a little cozier. And that's where dishes like like ratatouille, which is braised eggplant and uh, zucchini and tomatoes. And they're just cooked. They're, they're chopped up really small and they're cooked for a really long time and just meant to simmer. And it all those flavors meld together. And it's really enriching and cozy, but it's not complicated. And I think that's what people want in this time of year. It's certainly what I want in this time of year. So that's what you do with your eggplant. Perfect. Yeah. No, I was actually, um, pick, I picked up my moosewood cookbook. Do you know that? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all vegetarian recipes mm-hmm. and which the first time I ever came across that book, the lady who handed it to me, she's like secret tip. All of these recipes are better with bacon. Oh, that's hilarious. I would totally believe that. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's not awesome. even an exaggeration. I mean, what isn't better with bacon usually, True. unless it's a dessert, personally? Oftentimes when Sally selects these vegetarian dishes to cook, in order to make them more appealing to me, she'll just throw in a meat. It doesn't really matter what kind of meat, just like <laughs> right. any meat will make it instantly better. Like, Very oh yeah, nice. here's a lentil chili with bacon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds good. Yeah, that sounds that oh, sounds great. really good. Yeah, yeah nice. Sure. Okay, here is a I mean, here's a salad, obviously, but with chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah. Well, great. I had seen a ratatouille recipe, and I was like, oh, that sounds really good. I've never tried that, and I really feel like I should. But I didn't even know that eggplant was in season now, so I'm yes, inspired. So there you go. Okay, well, let's push forward a couple weeks. It's Labor Day. Maybe it's a little cooler yes. in some places. You mentioned a couple salad recipes. Can you give us any other ideas of what we should bring to our neighborhood cookout? I mean, I mean, there are all the classic things, right? Like sausages and hot dogs and hamburgers and stuff like that. I really like to, and I haven't done it in a long time, but I like to take my hamburger meat and enhance it. There was this restaurant when I was going to college in San Francisco, there was this Italian dive. I mean, seriously dive. It was a gross place, but, and they just served burgers, but they were Italian burgers and they were, they were amazing. So they'd take like ground meat and it probably was beef and veal and pork because they were Italian. And, um, they would form the hamburger patties, but they, or they would take the ground meat, but they would put in, um, chopped garlic and fresh basil and salt and pepper. And then they would form the patties and grill them on an open flame. And it was amazing. (laughs) That sounds so good. Yeah. I don't think we've ever added basil to burgers. That sounds really good. Yeah. And it was, and maybe it wasn't, I mean, it's been a long time and I think it's probably closed, but 
it was some greener. Maybe it was oregano, which is like a little heartier, but I feel like it was basil. And of course there, it was so like no frills. You got your, your bun and your burger and they put white American cheese on top of it and <laughs> lettuce and tomato. And you could put it on mustard or ketchup or just mayonnaise. Eat it the way wanted, it was. Right? <laughs> like it was just like, that's what it was. But like, I always thought it would be so fun to do that with like maybe a pesto mayonnaise and with actual heirloom tomatoes and a really good bun would be, I mean, it would be a little like delicious, delicious, a little finer, maybe a little fussy, but I think it would be really good. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So I, I like reading about food things and I'm sure that you do, even though you don't have a lot of time on your hands. So theoretically, if you <laughs> had the time to be reading when you're not busy being a general manager, um, <laughs> can you give us some, some food reading that's maybe captured your attention this summer or if not this summer, then even this calendar year? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I do. And also I take the Metro. So I get, my 45 minutes every day of reading time, which is great. Um, and there are a lot, I mean, there are lots of great things. Um, and now in like the blogging world and all that, you've got so many different writers talking about food and wine and all of that. Um, but it also makes it a lot harder to find the really good stuff. So there are a couple of different things that I'm really loving right now. I'm reading, um, there's this wine reviewer. She was a comedy writer for Mindy calling on, um, the Mindy project. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, she kind of accidentally fell into becoming a wine reviewer and her stuff is very, her, her blog was really funny and very, um, yeah, it was really bright. And then she got into a lot of the super trendy stuff now with wine. Um, but she just wrote this book called wine all the time. And it's a great, like, I want to buy a copy for every one of my servers because it's so engaging. I literally read it in a day because it's so much fun. Now I also know a lot of what she's talking about, but I just, I couldn't, get enough of her style. And I, I think it's one of the best introductions to wine that I've seen. Wow. And like, I read it and it's, it's, um, it's all the things that I want my classes as I'm talking to my servers about wine to be, but she's funnier and more articulate and has (laughs) the benefit of an editor. And I just have to stand up in front of my servers and tell them about wine and then maybe yell at them for not cleaning the bathroom properly. (laughs) So it's not like, it's not the same thing, but I wish I was as good as she is at it. This sounds like a good read for me though, because my wine, my wine knowledge is so minimal. And when when you were on our podcast before, Margaret, we talked about this and I I made some sort of self-deprecating joke about how (laughs) Yeah, Rose, I know nothing about wine, in particular rosé. And she makes you so, she, like, she's very clear. She used to drink really crappy wine. And then, kind of as a joke, she started, but then she got interested in it. And so, she's self educated as well. And so, it's really, it makes it a really approachable and easy voice to listen to and to like engage with. So that's awesome. So what is her name again? You said wine all the her time. Name is is, the title? Yeah. The book is called wine all the time and her name is Marissa Ross. Okay. Um, and her, her website's great too. She had a blog, but it's all like, like now she's really into nerdy natural wines and stuff like that, which are amazing. But, um, you know, it's not as 
accessible, like start with the book. And then if you fall in love with the kind of wines that she loves, then you'll find a lot of fun stuff on that too. Nice. I like that. I am going to check that out at the library. Yeah, it's good. And then also now, obviously I run a restaurant, but I'm not the chef, so I don't have to worry much about the food. Um, but I do oversee the bar program. Um, and if you, I'll promise not to make this all about alcohol, but (laughs) there's a great, there's a great website called punch P U N C H. And they have some of the best um, cocktail, wine, and beer writing that's out there right now. Um, They've got a really good group of writers, and they do really fun and interesting stories. And they'll do everything from, like, insider, what my dad would call insider baseball, like, uh, I don't know, an exploration of how some of the best wine lists work on an industry way. But then they'll also do Tiki Week, where every article that week was about different kinds of tiki cocktails and looking at the history, but also looking at like, here's one you can make at home. And, oh, here are five variations of cocktails that you can make in a can of lacrosse sparkling water, (laughs) you know? And like, so it's really, it's really fun and engaging. And then they also do a roundup every month of different things that they've been reading. And very often those stories are like a little deeper, like, you know, here's a story of a family who's been making wine for 500 years. And, you know, some of that long form journalism that we don't come across as much. Anymore. I love long form journalism. It's the best, the best. Totally. Um, so I really love that. And it's so it's called Punch and it's they send out a, a weekly newsletter, too, in your email. So oh, nice. that's okay. an easy way to to follow them um, if you're interested in alcohol. But and, you know, beer and wine and, and spirits. And then there's also, um, and you've probably seen these if you've gone to like a little gift shop or open air market or something like a market that has gifts and, and a, or a book stand or something like that. But there's this series of cookbooks called short stacks. They're like these little pamphlets and they're single ingredient pamphlet cookbooks oh. with this really fun, vibrant letterpress cover. And then they just get different chefs from around the country to talk about a single ingredient. So I've seen a bunch of these and I fell in love with them. Um, there's a chef who, uh, came to DC and cooked with our chef, um, uh, called Stephen Miller and his book is on peanuts and cooking with peanuts. And I love peanuts and I love peanut butter. And so I was super excited that, and it just came out this summer, but then it kind of opened the door and they have everything. I mean, they have avocados and cucumbers and That's so they fun. have prosciutto and they have eggs and they have strawberries and they have cherries. And I mean, it's all over the place and they're always producing more. I think they do maybe like four a year or five a year. So those are really fun. Find an ingredient you love and pick up the, the book and you can cook through it and it's all different applications. Oh, I love that. I, and that was what I was excited about. Like I, I eat a peanut butter sandwich almost every day, but I never think to cook with peanuts right. or peanut butter in a yeah. savory way. Yeah. And so I was really excited about his book to start like learning how to do that. Yeah, that's great. And uh, when I find like a flavor that I like, I'm okay with finding a ton of different recipes that use that flavor if I'm really excited about it. So, right. but it's nice to change it up. So you're not just making the same recipe over and over again, especially mm-hmm. if you're cooking for other people. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's great. I'm definitely going to check that out. Well, speaking of your chef, we need to yes. talk about 
Kyrgyzstan. How has it been doing since we last talked to you, which was, I think, a year ago now? Yeah, it was a year ago, and we were just a couple months in um, after opening. So we've had a great year. Um, We were listed in the Washington Post in their fall dining guide, which was the 40 best restaurants in D.C., which is really exciting. Yeah. And then there's a local magazine that does a ranking of 100 um, D.C. restaurants, and we were in that list, too, which was great. congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And those things, um, you know, DC is a, a tough market right now because it's, it's really competitive. There are a lot of, there are like 500 restaurants that opened in the last three years, wow. uh, in the DC area. So there's a lot of competition. So it was really exciting to be able to be in those, um, you know, have those honors. And I moved over there full time. I was just helping out. Um, but I moved over there full time in November. So I met my eight months, nine months, something like that. Um, and it's, I mean, it's awesome. It's, you're in a really vibrant part of the city and it's really just exciting and also crazy. I, you know, I leave my, the restaurant sometimes in the early hours of the morning on weeknights and the street behind us is a clubbing street. So there are people out on the street at two o'clock in the morning nice. on Tuesdays. So you don't feel too don't alone. Really that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, who does I that on a Tuesday you were night? just slaving over spreadsheets. So <laughs> what are you doing here? Go to bed people. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but yeah. And so then, um, we just finished restaurant week, which I assume most cities have this. I'm not sure, but it's a, promotion during the slow periods of the year, um, where the restaurants offer like a prefix deal so that people can come in for a slightly lower price, um, and dine with you. And it's a chance for like, they, they put a lot of advertising money towards it. So it's a really great, um, you know, building up, um, the community and all of that. And we, I've always loved it. It's kind of a headache, um, on the restaurant side because it's a lot of people and you're not necessarily always staffed for that kind of production, Yeah, but it's always so much fun. And honestly, like I've now worked three years worth and they're, they come twice a year, three and a half years worth with Tim and Joey, Tim's our chef, Joey's his wife, um, at their restaurants. And I like, we have, we have regulars that we've built and their first time coming in was, was a restaurant. Oh, so I great. really love it. Yeah. But I had never seen it like this before. We, there were so many people every single night and at some point on, like it starts on, on Monday and you do 120 people every night basically. And, and then you have brunch on Saturday and dinner on Saturday and brunch on Sunday and dinner on Sunday. And by the time like Sunday night rolled around, I was like, I literally cannot speak to another person. I I cannot talk to a single I can't even say hello anymore I'm done yeah I can't do this anymore (laughs) that is amazing so yeah and like and I just look at all some of my friends who run much bigger restaurants and I'm like I don't know how you do yes I just I I really cannot imagine it (laughs) good thing it only happens twice a year (laughs) yes yeah but it's a lot of fun and um and our it's also like a good measuring point of your team um, and so our team like has like, they really, they came together, they hit their stride, um, and they're producing better food than we've ever seen. Wow. And the front of house team is, is 
working harder, but also more easily than ever ever before. So it's, it's a really exciting measure for all of us of like what we can do. That's so great. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'll Well, see. It's fun. It's crazy, but yeah, I'm sure it sounds like it. It sounds like that's, that's a good thing in the restaurant business. Yes. Well, we still haven't made it to D.C. since last time we talked to you, but our plan is definitely to get over there sometimes so that we can visit and taste your yummy food. Yeah, I'm looking at the that menu right now. Awesome. I know it changes often, but I really want to try this togarashi tuna. That is a beautiful dish. With sake brined watermelon. That'd Ooh, be pretty awesome. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys can do that yourself. The brine water. Yeah, but it probably tastes better at Curacao. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it's really, it's fun. Um, And it's exciting. And like, there's also something to, you know, you, you build a restaurant and it has an identity in your mind, but then it actually takes shape with the the people that are working in it, the people who it serves, the, the neighborhood that it's in. And that's, a really cool thing to see happen. Yeah. Um, to see how the restaurant kind of like you, you get to know what this restaurant is going to be. Mm-hmm. And obviously you had an idea of that going in and creating it, but it surprises you in ways. And that's a really cool thing. Um, and as we're like hitting our one and a half year mark and we're in our stride, like seeing that and understanding that. But then the next question is, okay, how do we make this better? How do we do this better? What do we want to achieve with it? Um, and those are some of the questions that we're starting to ask ourselves, which is also really fun. Cause that's, especially for me, like I don't get to create every day because I'm not cooking and that's the creative side. Like how do I make my front of house team um, care more about the wine, for example. And so maybe this book is part of that and get them excited about it because being excited and knowing and loving and feeling creative, um, in the work that you do is very important. That's a really cool project as we hit this little bit of a lull period before the holidays. That's great. Well, we'll be excited to see where you guys go from here and thanks excited you. for yeah. when we can come visit. Thanks so much, Margaret, for coming on our show again and for talking to us about all things summer food. And um, yeah, we're just always excited to talk to you. And we know that our listeners are too. It's my pleasure. It's always great to talk to you guys too. Thanks. Have a great night. All right, that's a wrap on season six of Vernacular Podcast, and we uh, ended with that music just so... Yeah, wasn't that fun? Just so you guys have a little teaser preview <laughs> of what you can expect in the season seven music, so... Oh, yeah, we're just on a high with all these garage band loops. <laughs> oh, we love them. So, uh, yeah, that was a great conversation with Margaret. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode and another season of Vernacular Podcast. Before we go, just a few quick public service announcements. Please rate and or review us if you have not already on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast We would be so excited app. to start season seven with new ratings and reviews. That would be so exciting to be able to share those on the first episode. It would indeed. And we will if you rate and review us. So, so challenge for the next month while we're off, just go to town rating and reviewing us. Yeah. I mean, you can only do it one time. Right. But So all of our listeners should go to town right. collectively 
go to town <laughs> reviewing us once. Yes. But do if that, everyone please. does it, then it will be going to town. Oh, is that the definition of going That's to town? Is that, why it's, is that why it's a town? Like you go to town because everyone does it? It takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> yeah, just go to village and rate and review us, please. Um, but we will have links to everything that Margaret talked about on our website. And conveniently, the most recent episode, as in this week's episode of Bon Appetit, features contributing wine writer for Bon Appetit, Marissa Ross. So if you want to learn about natural wine, which we did not talk about on this episode, but if you want to learn about natural wine, Marissa Ross is an expert, and she talks all about that on this week's episode. So check out the Bon Appetit foodcast. And she's the author of the book that Margaret talked about, right? Exactly. Wine, wine all the time. Exactly. So exactly. that's the connection there. Yeah. Cool. It's like we planned it, but we didn't. It just right. so I know. happened. We're just really current. Just really, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh... Well, yeah. In the listening. meantime, in the off season, please let us know what you thought of season six or any of our previous seasons or episodes. You can reach out at Zach and Sally at vernacularpodcast.com. And on Twitter at vernacularpod and Instagram at vernacularpod. We are already excited about season seven. We have some great guests lined up and some great conversations to have. So, And in the meantime, we're going to try to survive the hurricane that is rapidly approaching Texas. That's right, Hurricane <laughs> Harvey. Yeah, it's going to hit Texas shores, so thoughts and prayers with the people who are much closer to the yes, epicenter than we, we are. are. Yeah. We're expecting rain and wind, but uh, shouldn't be dangerous. But hopefully it won't be for anybody. And yeah, I guess when we tune in again, we'll be It'll through be September. That yeah. It'll be almost fall. So, so enjoy the rest of your summer. Yeah, we're going to take a little break between seasons here, but come back ready to go for season seven. So stay tuned and stay with us. All right, I think that's it. For Vernacular Podcast, I'm Zach. And I'm Sally. Have a great week. better than When I'm by your side.